You're listening to Renegade Talk Radio. It's Monday, October 9th, 2023. This is the Alex Jones Show. I am on a very, very important information mission, and I will be filing reports from the road over the next three days. I will be back Thursday. We're going to have Harrison Smith and Chase Geyser both co-hosting today. I also taped an interview with a very informative journalist and researcher on Saturday that we'll be hearing in part of the third and the full fourth hour today. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the big takeaway, if you happen to tune into the Sunday night show, you heard it all. The big takeaway is this. No way Israel didn't know that attack was coming. So it is like 9-11. They knew full well it was coming. It was a clear stand down, and that is now hitting the news. Also, what I told you on Saturday, he's now admitted that Hezbollah took much of the $6 billion that O'Biden gave them last month and gave that to the tens of thousands of uh, suicide operators that were sent into southern Israel out of the Gaza Strip. Uh, many of them, of course, were North Africans and others and were clearly uh, paid jihadist. They get up to $100,000, in some cases more, for uh, going out and fighting. And especially if they die, their family is sent uh, even more money. If you divide out, say, $600,000 between 10,000 of these suicide trips, that comes up to the $6 billion. But uh, large portions of the $6 billion were obviously spent uh, for the suicide uh, payments, but the rest was spent on weapons. Then you have the tens of billions of dollars of weapons coming out of Afghanistan that's now confirmed to be there. U.S. hardware, as well as a lot of hardware sent to Ukraine that's there. So this has been brought to you by the globalist deep state uh, that will now use this as crackdowns on freedoms in Israel, crackdowns here, crackdowns in Europe. It's also a good smokescreen for what has unfolded with the Russians clearly decisively now winning the war in Ukraine uh, against NATO. So if you pull back from this, what's the other big issue? It's the tens of thousands of other than Mexican or other than Latin American pouring across even just the Texas sector every month. Sometimes it's thousands a week. They're almost all military-age men, and many of them are Hezbollah and Hamas. But again, Hezbollah out of Iran is the main group that did the training, the preparation, and made the payments. As I told you on Saturday, people were like, oh, Jones doesn't even know the difference between Hezbollah and Hamas. No, I've actually done the research know what I'm talking about. And so there are tens of thousands, conservatively, of Hezbollah sleeper cells inside the United States right now. And if you think what you saw in Israel was a big deal, imagine what is going to happen inside the United States even when we go to war with Iran. So we've been pre-positioned for this, and the globalists will love it. It'll make 9-11 look tame in comparison with the 3,000 dead when and if they strike the United States. But many members of Congress are now pointing this out. There's big articles up on Infowars.com. So it's uh, something we have to get ahead of here and let the CIA and Mossad and MI6 and NATO intelligence and all the rest of them know that even when there's massive attacks in the West, you with the UN set up these centers, brought in these people, you know exactly what you're doing, and many of them admit that they're jihadist. And so I would expect the probability in the next year, maybe even sooner, of a massive uh, 9-11 style attack, but all over the country. They're going to hijack planes. They're going to use the same thing you saw with hang gliders. Uh, a lot of them know how to fly an aircraft. They're going to steal aircraft all over the United States, fly them into buildings, fly them into government buildings. Uh, attack sports stadiums full of people, attack colleges, uh, you name it, big gatherings. And then the government will get more funding and those that do the stand down and brought the illegal aliens in and the jihadis in will actually get more money and more funding and more power because logic has been murdered. Just like Netanyahu clearly in a stand down is now going to get more power and more control. He's about to be ousted from power. So war is the health of the state. That's what's going on. 
And that's the reality. I would direct everybody to band.video and the first hour of my show last night where I laid this all out uh, in basically complete uh, detail. Also, a lot of the Israelis that have moved into Israel uh, are not conservative and don't like guns. So many of those uh, right up on the border with the Gaza Strip and two and a half million people that want to kill them were unarmed and don't like weapons. Also, you saw the hang gliders come in and attack the big party rave that was going on at a, quote, peace rally, reportedly killed 200 there. So they're saying a couple hundred are dead across Israel, thousands injured. It's actually much, much higher, and I would expect thousands and thousands dead, uh, perhaps tens of thousands wounded. But that will be unfolding in the days to come. This is a big deal and part of the global escalation so the uh, big banks can bring in their new global central system and new currency. Again, we have several big guest hosts coming up. Infowars.com, tomorrow's news today. I'm Alex Jones. Please stay with us and please spread the word. That's how we bypass big tech and the censors. Stay with us. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is Monday, the 9th of October, 2023. You're watching The Alex Jones Show, and folks, we are on the cusp of World War III. I do not think that's an exaggeration. I'm Harrison Smith, sitting in for Alex Jones with Chase Geyser. We'll be co-hosting the show today. Uh, We'll also be uh, going to an interview for about the second half of the show. We'll be joined by Michael Yawn, who's a celebrated uh, combat journalist getting his take on, of course, the biggest story, probably the only story we'll cover today, Chase, the unprecedented attack on Israel by Hamas and the Palestinians out of Gaza. Unprecedented is the word they keep using, and it really is an attack uh, really bigger than anything that has happened between Gaza and Israel for their entire existence. Uh, But Chase Geyser, uh, welcome to the show. We're going to be tackling this. What a day to be hosting the Alex Jones Show. Absolutely. When we were scheduled for this, I had no idea that Israel was going to be attacked, and there's conflicting reports as to whether or not Mossad may have known that they were going to be attacked. Right. But I've been learning up as much as I can about this subject over the weekend, and you've enlightened me quite a bit. You're informed in this. This is something you've had substantial opinions on for some time, and this is a fascinating and terrifying development indeed. Yeah, and, you know, neither one of us clearly, you know, obviously neither one of us are experts specifically on the Middle East but that's okay. We really dedicated our, you know, for the last 48 hours, I mean, I've just been studying this from every different angle, trying to just get a full grasp of what's going on. And hopefully that's what we can deliver to the, uh, the viewers and the listeners today is just an understanding of sort of how we got here and where this goes from here. Because when I look at the current situation, what I see is a line of carefully set up dominoes ready to fall and lead us to World War III. And I think that's where I approach this. I know that's where you approach this as well. Uh, we were sort of joking at one point about, you take Israel, I'll take uh, Palestine, and we'll just, we'll go head to head. We'll solve this thing by the end of the show. We'll argue it out. We'll figure out the uh, conclusion. There is no easy answer to this, obviously. Neither side is right or wrong, totally good or totally evil. Uh, and you have to actually be able to uh, sympathize with and understand the stances of both of these people, both of these groups, both of these you know, uh, the, the, the bodies engaged in this conflict to understand where it goes from here and why they're fighting and what it's going to take to end it. Cause I think that's where we both come in is how do we get peace out of this absolute quagmire of generational conflict? Maybe it's a good thing that we're not middle Eastern experts because oftentimes I've found that with issues like this, the experts are sort of entrenched in their school of thought. They've written books and they want to sort of 
find reasons to back up what they've always thought or said. And really here at InfoWars, we're all just committed to applying logic to information as it comes in, using critical thinking, thinking independently and not just taking whatever the narrative says for granted. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's actually a, a breath of fresh air that we're in a position to tackle such a complicated and long-standing issue with fresh eyes. Yeah, because this isn't something that we've, you know, this conflict in particular isn't something that we've dedicated our time to, but understanding the overall geopolitical landscape is something that we've both dedicated a lot of time on. And so neither one of us have sort of an interest on either side, but an interest in peace and an interest in, for me, keeping America out of this war. After all, we've seen this before. I mean, we've seen the war drums. We've seen the horrifying images, which are horrifying. I mean, you can't deny what uh, the attacks, you know, the videos that came out of these attacks are shockingly modern. I mean, in certain ways, there's video of this uh, music festival and paratroopers gliding into the music festival. People are like dancing to techno. I mean, it... We're in such a bizarre the Red Dawn situation. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like a true a true Red Dawn moment, but Red Dawn on acid. Like it's it's so bizarre what we're dealing with here. So let's just get you some of the latest. From Al Jazeera, death toll soars to one thousand three hundred as fighting between Hamas and Israel rages. More than eight hundred Israelis and some five hundred Palestinians have been killed amid heavy fighting and bombardment following the largest attacks by Palestinian armed group Hamas against Israel in decades. Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant said on Monday authorities would impose a total blockade on the Gaza Strip, cutting electricity and blocking food and fuel supplies as part of a complete siege on the Hamas-run enclave. It came as Gaza's Ministry of Health said at least 510 Palestinians had been killed and 2,751 more had been wounded in Israeli air raids on the enclave since Saturday when Hamas launched its multi-prong offensive on Israel. And the big question here is, is Israel going to invade Gaza? And I mean, there's so many different ways to get into this topic. Obviously, we can talk about what Contributing factors may have come from the Biden administration, the $6 billion to Iran. Did that have an effect on this? Did his response yesterday do anything to calm the situation or inflame the situation? It's my interpretation that basically what Biden did was almost the worst thing he could have done. He essentially said that we'll give Israel all the equipment that they need, signaling that Israel or America is not going to get involved personally in this. Like we're not going to be sending personnel in. And Israel doesn't really need weapons right now. What they need is, is people, and they just don't have it. Actually, one of the latest headlines is that Israel has called up 300,000 reservists amid counteroffensive push in Israel-Hamas war. They've called up 300,000 military reservists to respond to a Hamas-led terror attack and invasion on the Gaza Strip, which resulted in at least 800 dead Israelis. The draft is the largest ever for Israel. Israel, of course, actually declaring that it's at war with Gaza for the first time since 1973, I believe, was the last time they were officially in a state of war. And the question is, are they going to invade Gaza? This is from Mario Nafal, a Hezbollah operative was killed by IDF strikes in southern Lebanon. So the domino effect, essentially, as I understand it, what's happening now is that Israel has said we're going to go into Gaza. We're going to push in, in fact, this just broke a few minutes ago from Axios. Uh, Bibi Netanyahu has said, quote, we have to go in. Bibi tells Biden as Israel prepares for possible ground invasion of Gaza. So they're set on doing a ground invasion. Hezbollah has said if 
Israel invades Gaza with ground forces, then that brings Hezbollah into the situation. America has essentially said, and whether this is official, you know, from the Biden administration or whether this is just Lindsey Graham spouting uh, spouting off from Gateway Pundit, warmonger Senator Lindsey Graham warns if Hezbollah intervenes in Israel-Palestine conflict, U.S. must respond against Iran. So, I mean, this it is a literal domino effect. If they go into Gaza, Hezbollah attacks Israel, America gets into the conflict. Then you have Iran, Syria, and even Russia, to a certain extent, going gloves, gloves off. And we have hundreds, if not thousands, of American servicemen in the Middle East as sitting ducks if Iran or Syria were to you know, stop, start bombard, bombarding them. It would be hundreds of American servicemen uh, lives lost. And you can just see how it spirals out from there. So, I mean, this is this is a inflection point in more ways than one uh, geopolitically. And if this isn't handled correctly, it is World War Three, no doubt. If this isn't very carefully dealt with in a way that you know, is hyper focused on just stopping this from spiraling out into World War Three, then that is what comes next. Uh, no doubt about it. Yeah, I think the craziest thing about this I'm a big fan of Sun Tzu's Art of War mm. and 48 Laws of Power, things like that. You never attack a stronger enemy head on. That's just like a basic rule of war. Stupid to do that. You have to use guerrilla warfare or other methods in order to attack an enemy that's stronger than you. And the fact that they were so audacious with this attack is interesting to me because obviously they were trying to solicit or provoke some sort of a response. And so I'm curious as to whether the intention is to get Israel to respond aggressively uh, so as to set off this domino effect. Well, definitely, I think the Palestinians in, in Gaza and, and Hamas and really even the, the wider, they call themselves the axis of resistance, but from Hezbollah to Hamas, you know, a lot of these militia groups, most of them uh, funded by Iran, they don't want to go back to the status quo. They want this to be an inflection point. They don't want this to be just another sort of situation where there's an attack, there's an exchange of hostages, and they go back to being in an open-air prison in Gaza. They don't want that. They want a change in situation, and that's what they're going for, and they're going to get it one way or another. And, I mean, Israel is really in a very, very tough spot right now because, again, they cannot afford not to go into Gaza, but if they do go into Gaza, then it's gloves off for all of the enemies that surround them. So, again, where this goes is still totally up in the air. Of course, the Israeli president said the state of Israel will win. We have no other choice, saying basically they have to go into Gaza because what happens is if they don't go into Gaza, that means they're not really the top dogs in the Middle East anymore. Their action is being limited by an outside force, which is an entirely new situation for Israel. It's extremely interesting. We'll get more into it on the other side. Where were you when humanity was fighting for its life? Where were you when the globalists were caught trafficking millions of children for sex slavery worldwide? Where were you when the New World Order was starting World War III with Russia? Well, I know where you are. You're watching and listening to InfoWars.com right now, and I salute you and thank you. And I want to encourage all of you who've been in this fight so long to realize we've reached the critical juncture in the battle now. And a key tool in that fight is the Great Awakening defeating the globalists and launching the next great renaissance this is my second book part two of the great reset in the war of the world it's a longer book a quite frankly more powerful book 
And just like the last one went to number one, it is up to you to send us to number one right now. This is a cultural fight against the globalists, and it funds the InfoWar. Get signed or unsigned copies of The Great Awakening right now at InfoWarStore.com. I want to thank you all for your support, but this is a book everybody needs. Get your copy of The Great Awakening right now. Bodies is back. The ultimate turmeric product on the market has returned to InfoWarsStore.com and is now 25% off for a limited time. Utilized for thousands of years, turmeric is one of the most studied medicinal herbs today. Hundreds of peer-reviewed scientific articles are published every year on the chemistry and therapeutic potential of turmeric and its active components. Bodies will reduce inflammation throughout the body, help boost and support flexibility, increase mobility, assist in joint function, bolster your immune system, and so much more. Regular turmeric from the store contains about 1-5% to of the active ingredient curcuminoids, but our super-powerful extract using bodies contains over 95% of the active ingredients in turmeric. No other product can compare with this curcuminoid delivery system, so if you want to put the true power of turmeric to the test, then look no further. Grab yourself a bottle today for 25% off at M4Store.com and put your body at ease. You're listening to The Alex Jones Show. Welcome back to The Alex Jones Show. I am Chase Geyser filling in with the great Harrison Smith for the great Alex Jones. So much going on today, Harrison. What's been crazy to me about it is... I've been going off for a year about how I hate that we're supporting Ukraine, and I tease it as because they're Nazis, and that is a primary reason that I'm against funding Ukraine, but the ultimate reason that I'm against it is just because I'm America first. Right. And this is the challenge that I see when... This is the the problem that I have with the Republican Party, because we've seen this brutal attack, and it is an evil, brutal attack on Israel, and immediately... I see Republican after Republican, conservative after conservative, throwing up the Israeli flag in their bios, just like the leftists threw up the Ukraine flag. And I'm thinking, hey, even though I may personally like Israel a lot more than I like Nazi sentiments in Ukraine, I still am an American and believe in America first. So isn't the consistent position that we not throw billions upon billions of dollars at Israel, like we have for Ukraine? Well, isn't it amazing that we already have sent billion? I mean, didn't we just, uh, I mean, immediately $6 billion to Israel? So, I mean, clearly they have sort of these agreements already in place to facilitate uh, sending money like that. But have we not been through this before with wars in the Middle East? They're, they're a bad idea. I don't know how many times we have to learn the lesson. Like, it's a bad idea for America to get involved in any way, but certainly not with, with boots on the ground. And the fact is that, you know, remember after... Trump killed Soleimani, the Iranians responded. They sent a missile. It didn't have a warhead on it, didn't have explosives, but it landed a missile inside a American military base that gave traumatic brain injury to like 80 or 90 soldiers. And that was almost a symbol. It's like these bases in the Middle East are vulnerable to attack if the gloves come off uh, with Iran. The, the crew just pulled up a statement saying the White House has called a lid already for today. So there will be no more statements from the White House today, I guess, uh, which is a little bit a little bit bizarre. And clearly the Biden administration 
I mean, you know, obviously one of the main sentiments out today is like if Trump was in charge, this wouldn't have happened. And there's no doubt in my mind that that's true. This is purely and I don't think it has. I personally don't think it has anything to do with the six billion dollars released last uh, you know, two weeks ago to Iran. I mean, that money is hasn't actually been doled out yet. I don't think that has much of an effect, especially when you look at the the situation of the Gazans and the uh, Hamas, how it's existed for a while. I don't think you need six billion dollars to get a bunch of young guys with rifles to to storm, you know, through a wall. Uh, this wasn't a big money operation. This was a personnel operation, and uh, the personnel already exists there in Gaza. So I don't know how much that has to do with it, but definitely Biden's the Biden administration's overall weakness and ineptitude and just bungling everything. I mean, one of the headlines from Infowars, I'm sure it's somewhere in this uh, pile, is about the fact that there are weapons from Afghanistan in uh, in Gaza right now being used by Hamas. Yeah, here it is. Uh, Israel, U.S. arms left in Afghanistan reach Gaza. So in more ways than one, the Biden administration's total failure of geopolitical gravitas has led us to this point. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that just baffles me is how this could have possibly been a, been a surprise. I know that we mm. maybe disagree. I don't have a solid position on this, but it's hard for me to believe that our intelligence communities, both of which, including Mossad and CIA, United States intelligence agencies, have known about so many major events prior to their happening and then allowed them to happen all the way back to Pearl Harbor, maybe even earlier. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Vietnam and what happened with 9-11, I think they knew ahead of time and allowed it to happen. It's hard for me to believe that as sophisticated as these intelligence agencies supposedly are, they didn't know that this was coming. And to your point about the $6 billion, I think based off of the coordination that we saw, based off of the fact that this was a 50-year anniversary of a prior major event, I think that this was being planned long before just the last six weeks. Mm. I think that they were planning to do something like this. There was training going on. There was different doling out of who's going to fly in where. They knew the festival was going to be heavily populated, and they knew that the festival was going to be populated with multinational people. Mm. So they knew that it would trigger the world in a way if they would attack uh, it, and there was going to be a lot of people that, yeah. in a consolidated area outside just totally exposed to gunfire. So I think that they've planned this for a long time, and the longer that they've been planning it for, the more likely it is that Mossad or the CIA would have been aware of it. And I'm not surprised that Joe Biden's surprised about anything necessarily, but I do <laughs> right. find it hard to believe that Mossad didn't know this was coming. Well, you know, the, the latest information about that is that Iran was helping to coordinate this uh, about two weeks ago, they had they met in Beirut. I mean, that's the, the latest report is that there was a meeting in Beirut with uh, some of the leadership of the Iranian uh, Republican Guard to give the green light, essentially, to this attack. And it's I mean, it's not speculation. It's it's very clear. You've got Hezbollah. You've got Hamas. And actually, the, the part of Hamas that carried this out, Hamas is the overall uh, term for like the military people in Gaza or in Palestine. But uh, within that, you have the uh, Palestinian. Palestinian Islamic Jihad, I think, is the name of the group. And that is the Iranian-funded, Iranian-trained, almost like Hezbollah uh, franchise in, in Gaza that carried this out. I don't, you know, I don't know. I, d I really don't know because it's either that Mossad is super capable and sort of allowed this to be carried out. As honestly, I sort of have expected something like this for a while because there's been so much strife in Israel. There's been so much 
division in Israel, there's so much political turmoil in Israel, I've sort of been waiting for like, okay, when's the big attack going to come so they can unify their people mm-hmm. and you know, cast to the side all of the uh, internal conflicts. So there is, there is a reason why they would want to let this be carried out. But the other side of it is maybe they did just underestimate their enemies here. I mean, they've said a former Mossad leader said, you know, we, this was unimaginable. We, we could not have imagined. I was talking to my friend yesterday and kept just saying that's a failure of imagination. I mean, they just didn't think this was possible, so they weren't prepared for it. They didn't think the Palestinians could pull something like this off, so they weren't, uh, you know, defending against this this possibility. And so it it may very well be that just Mossad underestimated what uh, what these people were capable of. And I mean, you have, you know, there's no way to train paratroopers in a cave, right? There's no way to train paratroopers in a tunnel. So clearly these attacks and the people who carried them out had to be trained outside of Gaza. It would have been impossible for them to avoid Mossad that way. But at the same time, they somehow got into Gaza and then were able to launch this attack without alerting uh, the IDF or Mossad. So, 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 I mean, what do do you think? Do you think they did let's, I mean, they have reasons to let this happen, obviously. My inclination is to say that they knew it was going to happen and allowed it to happen. Maybe they were thinking, hey, we have a major vulnerability because we don't have enough of a standing army. We're very well equipped. We have a lot of technology, but we don't have a lot of boots on the ground to do some of the activities that we want to do. I know you mentioned when we were speaking earlier that they have struggled with the region prior in terms of trying to occupy it and just being a nightmare, sort of a slaughter for infantry. So if you want 300,000 troops overnight, the best way to do it is to have some sort of a domestic event that can justify sort of conscripting everyone all at once in a way that you couldn't in times of peace you know it it almost doesn't matter whether it was on purpose or not like at a certain point it doesn't matter what the arguments are or whether it was on purpose or not we're dealing with the real world warfare taking place here and at the end of the day it's whoever's stronger is going to win and uh i mean this this conflict is just getting started where it goes from here is anybody's guess but it's nowhere good we'll be back on the other side talk about how the uh, international players all come into this stay with us folks it's the alex jones show infowars.com last year we put this book out the great reset and the war for the world it became a number one national bestseller now we've put part two out and it's even thicker and more powerful The Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalists and launch the second great renaissance. This is such a powerful book. It covers all the globalist plans, the latest developments, how to stop them, and then gives an alternate plan of a society we could build together. That's why it's The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening is happening right now. You can get signed or unsigned copies of the book at InfoWarsStore.com. This is a historic book. I want to thank you all for your support. This is next level information, and it's a great way to not just support the broadcast, but inform yourself to the next level and share the book with friends and family. So, whether you want one copy or multiple copies, go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. This is going to go to number one. I want to thank you for your support. It's a powerful book. Get yours now. You're listening to The Alex Jones Show. program leftists failed to silence. It's the Alex Jones Show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Alex Jones Show. Harrison Smith and Chase Geyser sitting in for Alex today. Of course, you can support everything we do here by going to InfoWarsStore.com. 
And I don't know, is there any other media outlet that is as dedicated as InfoWars is and has been for the last several decades in avoiding war and avoiding falling into the psychological traps that are laid for us to encourage populations to call for war? I mean, it's it actually feels nice being at InfoWars and being able to look back at the last several decades of endless warfare and conflict overseas and to say we've been on the right side of all of these events because we've always called for peace. We've always called for non-intervention. We've always called for people to calm down, not fall for the emotionally provocative images that they show or or claims that they make to try to rile people up in order to override the logical faculties and get us into just this death match from which there is no winner, nobody comes out on top. And at the end of the day, this isn't a conflict between Palestine and Israel. It's a, I mean, obviously it is, but the implications for this and the way that the rest of the world is being pulled into this are extremely dangerous and could very well lead to World War III. And you really have to ask yourself, what are we fighting over here? What is this worth it? Is this just an eye for an eye, you know, on and on forever? Are we fighting for, you know, to, to free the people of Gaza or to, you know, insist that they, st- you know, stay in Gaza forever. It's like, really, that's what we're going to go to World War Three to ensure that the people of Gaza don't have rights at all ever. I mean, that that's the way I see it. But, you know, regardless of where you land on the divide between and the, the way they're trying to to frame this whole conflict is Israel or uh, Jews versus Muslims It's Jews versus Muslims. Whose side are you on? Who should be eradicated completely? And who, you know, who do you support? And it's like, what a sick and demented way to even uh, look at this conflict. The only possible outcome to benefit really anybody would be some sort of peace at this point. I mean, maybe, maybe that's what this could, as horrible as this attack against Israel was, can this not be a wake-up call to everybody that this cannot continue like this anymore? Something has to change. The status quo is just enough already. Where we should something has to change one way or another. And in my opinion, that doesn't mean one side has to be genocided completely. Which we're seeing a lot of people on the right wing making that that argument. I have a, I have a post here from Joel Polak, who I believe is the editor of Breitbart News. He posted this on Saturday. He said, I have broken the Sabbath and Jewish holiday to deliver this message. Israel should wipe out Gaza, allow 48 hours to evacuate women, children, and the elderly, destroy everything that remains. So I guess the implication there is kill all of the men, plow it under, and annex annex it to Israel. This is the end for Hamas and Palestinian uh, terror. I mean, if that's not a call for genocide, I don't know what is. And I don't know, maybe this is a controversial platform to take, but I'm against genocide, Chase. It's so funny because Alex Jones isn't on Twitter because of hate speech or misinformation. And I know that he's been classified as hate speech by certain financial institutions, and we struggle with that. But you're right on the money because I can't think of a single instance in any of the broadcasts that I've listened to over the last 20 years where Alex or even this network has advocated in favor of an existing war or a pen, or an impending war. Mm. He's a pacifist. He, he's, he has advocated for war about as often as the Dalai Lama. Right. Like zero times, right? Right. And so you've got this hate speech that is real hate speech where people on Twitter are allowed to call for actual genocide. Yeah, literal. But we're the ones that are censored because we're constantly calling for peace. And it just goes to show how much the establishment, how much the narrative wants there to be violence as long as it's on their terms 
100%. They absolutely uh, rely on war to uh, progress their entire agenda. And again, you know, you know you're right. It, it is good that we're not on either side of this or, or you know, so-called experts because experts tend to land on either one side or the other. But, I mean, is it is it impossible to feel sympathy or, or empathy for both these sides? I have Palestinian friends. I have Jewish friends. I have Jewish friends whose, you know, families right now are, are in bunkers, you know, because they're being attacked. I don't want them to be attacked. I don't want them to, to lose their family members, obviously. But at the same time, I don't think that Israel can continue to uh, treat the Palestinians as they have and not expect anything. And again, it doesn't matter whether you think it's right or not. It's a matter of reality. When you put people in a situation that, like the one that exists in Gaza, you're going to almost require, you know, it, it requires, it demands, there's going to be violence as an outcome of that because you're putting people in a, in a impossible position and, and you know, talking about the, the art of war and, and Sun Tzu, I mean, the people in Gaza have no escape. They have no, uh, you know, uh, ability to get out of where they are. So you've got to, and, and in Sun Tzu, you know, they say really avoid that because a cornered animal will fight right. with everything it's, it's got. Like Dunkirk. Right. They're just, they're just stuck on the beach there. And the difference is in Dunkirk, for some reason, the Germans didn't attack the vulnerable troops of the enemy. But here they are facing this annihilation. Mm. But I'm with you. I, I empathize with the innocent people on both sides. But I just want to be very careful and explicit in that. And maybe this is a character failing of me, of mine. I have no empathy for the actual perpetrators of that type of violence. Right. You know, it, 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 if, it, if an institution or a government had attacked my family and done terrible things to me as Israel may have been doing over the last decades to the Palestinians, I wouldn't respond by attacking innocent people right. that are constituents of that. Maybe I would, I would respond by getting involved against the actual enemy, but it's like the mafia, right? The mafia, they, they even have rules when there's violence. Like, hey, no kids, no family, don't whack the kids, don't whack the wife if there's an issue. You go after the person that committed the crime or, or, or didn't hold up to the deal, but you don't go after the innocents around them. And the fact that there, it's gotten to the point where there's that level of lack of honor just goes to show, I think, how irreparable the relationship is. And I don't advocate for the genocide of any people, but I do think that the only way this is resolved is if there's a total, complete victory on one side or the other. Well, I, I don't know how that's going to come. Uh, again, the, the latest is that, I mean, okay, so th they're in this situation where, I mean, they're complaining. I mean, Israeli media right now is saying not only is Hezbollah limiting us in the north, right? So Hezbollah is in Lebanon, it's to the north of Israel, and they're launching missiles, and there's sort of uh, some, some back-and-forth fighting happening right now. Hezbollah is being very careful to only do that in places that are contested, places like Sheba Farms, uh, which is Israeli-occupied but technically Lebanese territory, or the Golan Heights, which is technically Syrian territory but Israeli-occupied. So they so far have not attacked the uh, you know is Israeli sovereign land other than Sheba Farms and, and Golan Heights. So like, they're being very careful in that. But Israeli media is saying, you know, not only is Hezbollah limiting us in the north now where they exist, but they're now limiting us in the south by saying if you invade Gaza, then we'll get involved. And so Israel is sort of hamstrung and they're not about to go into Gaza and then open up a second front to their north. And they tried to go into Gaza in 2008 and it was a total disaster. They really can't invade Gaza with with ground troops without carrying out an intense bombing campaign every block and then taking that block over and then bombing the next and then taking the next. And what happens to the two million people that live there now? It's a mass murder. So like, how can you be calling for that and, and claim you're on the good side? And then 
you know, you look at the, uh, you know, the, the images that came out of the, you know, women being dragged away and stuff, and it's like, I can't be on these people's side anyway, so I'm not on anybody's side. But there is a, there is a reality and a, a sort of equation of mathematics to what's going on in the, in the warfare spectrum uh, that is, is undeniable and that you can't understand without at least trying to put yourself in the mindset of both of the combatants, putting yourself in the mindset of Israelis that are terrified of being pulled out of their you know, beds and, and killed by Muslim extremists. But you also have to be able to sympathize with the Palestinian people who go, we've been under you know, attacks for the last several decades. We can't take this anymore. This is intolerable. And, and at this point, I mean, the latest is that uh, Israel has ordered an immediate cutoff to Gaza's water supply. They've halted the electricity supply to Gaza. Uh, they, uh, Bibi Netanyahu has told Biden, we have no choice. We have to go into Gaza. Because, again, they really don't. Because if they don't go into Gaza, that means that they're not the ones that are the top dog in the Middle East anymore. It means their action is being determined by Hezbollah, essentially, because Hezbollah is saying, if you go in there, we'll attack. If they don't go in... It's sort of ceding, it's, it's almost ceding sovereignty of themselves. I mean, they are in an impossible situation. But again, how this relates to Russia and Ukraine, I mean, that's where it gets really interesting and terrifying. So we'll talk about that. Why do you think the globalists are desperately trying to censor everybody? Why are they attacking myself and Donald Trump and Elon Musk and everybody else? Because they can't get through this giant megalomaniacal power grab if we're here exposing them. But we're not just exposing their operation. In my new book, we give you the solutions to build a new, better world, an alternative to Klaus Schwab's You Will Eat the Bugs. This is the Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalist and launch the second great renaissance. It's a companion to my last book that was a number one worldwide bestseller. And this book is even thicker and even more powerful. Get your copy of The Great Awakening today at InfoWarsStore.com. Either signed as a fundraiser, and I thank you for the support, or unsigned. But whatever you do, take action now. We're fighting for you, but we can't keep on if you don't support us. So please, get the historic book now. Go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening at InfoWarsStore. You're going to want to pay attention to what I'm about to say in the next 60 seconds. Two new incredible products are now available exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. They are both clones of national best-selling products from a major pharmaceutical slash supplement maker that are listeners and patriots that are allowing us to private label it at a lower price you'll find in stores. It's Joint Relief Max and Nerve Renew. Both of these have known documented natural compounds to lower pain and to also make your nerves healthier, which is one of the major reasons nerves get irritated and are more inductive to pain. There's major research behind this all. You need to get Joint Relief Max from InfoWars MD and Nerve Renew from InfoWars MD exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com right now. Introducing them both, 25% off. You'll find them exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com and they fund their operation. You're listening to The Alex Jones Show. Welcome back to The Alex Jones Show. I am Chase Geyser with the distinguished Harrison Smith on The Alex Jones Show for Alex Today. Exciting things happening in Alex's world today, which I'm sure you will hear about when he gets back. 
So much going on. We were talking about covering the news during the break, and all of the articles, 98% of them, are all about this issue. And Harrison and I spent a couple hours chatting this morning about this dynamic, and I was trying to figure out how this all ties in together, all these issues. Obviously, the entire world knows that we have an incredibly weak president, and it's sort of a slow roll. It was like one bad thing would happen, and then when the repercussions for that didn't seem to be enough, you'd see another bad thing over here, another bad thing over there. And all these pieces, I actually do think, are connected in that we have Iran funding the Palestinian attack, supporting the Palestinians. We know that China supports Iran. We know that Russia has basically completed a victory in Ukraine. And I'm wondering, how is Ukraine tied into what's going on with Israel and Palestine? They seem totally unrelated. But when we think about how Putin and President Xi have sort of been in cahoots the last couple of years, and all these alliances, these uncommon or unexpected alliances, I think there is one narrative. I think that what we have is a situation in which we have bullied all of these nations, basically every nation in the world, for decades, using sanctions because the dollar is the petrodollar, because it's the global reserve currency. We can come in and freeze assets. We can come in and leverage that power to really harm and damage anyone we want, whether it's friends or allies. We can blackmail or coerce them into doing the things that we want them to do. And that is something that has been incredibly taxing on the world in terms of their happiness or satisfaction, I think, with the United States' place in it. Mm. And it's similar to, like, um, King George. For a long period of time, since this in the Declaration of Independence, a people will bear abuse for a long period of time before a threshold is crossed in which they actually decide to stand up and do something about it. And after all of these years of billions upon billions, trillions upon trillions of dollars in sanctions and abuse and manipulation and coercion, I think that the international community has come together and decided we got to do something about this bully that is the United States. So we know that China is dependent on the United States for agriculture, for a lot of its food imports. We know that traditionally China has been dependent on imports for oil, natural gas, especially from Saudi Arabia, which of course is sort of at the center of OPEC. And with Russia having control, whether it's outwardly or under the cover of Ukraine, that's the breadbasket of Europe. So what if those resources, instead of being exported to Europe, were exported exclusively to China to minimize China's dependence on the United States for agriculture? Simultaneously, Russia would then have control over the energy exports and that pathway, that trade route through Ukraine in a way that would make it independent of NATO. That energy could be sent both to China and the Middle Eastern communities. And then with the elimination of Israel in the Middle East, there's no military strength of the United States. So we have the collapse of our agriculture exports to China. We have the establishment of the independence of China. We have the establishment of the independence of Russia and increased exports for them. And we've unified all of the Middle East against Israel, which could be eradicated, except for Saudi Arabia, which is a competitor to Iran. Right. That introduces a climate in which China could say, hey, look, the dollar is no longer going to be tied to oil. There's no more petrodollar. It's now going to be the yen. And that could be a total collapse, I think, of our economy. They could take Taiwan. 
And we've got all these refugees all over Europe from these terrible trade deals that we've made. We've got all these immigrants storming into our border. Many of them, I think, are of this persuasion. They could just activate the sleeper cells in our country and all across Europe if we tried to fight against it. What do yeah. you think? No, I, th- I think all of that's accurate. I think a lot of this does have to do with uh, the, the death or the reorganization of the world economy uh, post-petrodollar. I, I mean, I think that's uh, fairly obvious. In fact, you know, a lot of these things are being done sort of out in the open from uh, Reuters. Arab League chief heads to Moscow for talks after Hamas attack on Israel. So you've got the Arab uh, League chief Ahmed Abul uh, Git heading to Moscow on Sunday for talks with Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov. So, I mean, and, you know, from, from the war in Syria, I mean, the fact is that, like, we were both on the cusp of World War III and have kind of been in World War III yeah. for the last, like, 10 years. I mean, with Syria and the, the help they've gotten from Russia and the, you know, continuing attacks against them from either America or Israel, this is all a, a snowball rolling downhill. Now might be a, might, uh, a good time to go to this video that I'm sure a lot of our audience has seen before, but in, cl- in case you haven't, uh, this is a stark warning against falling for what some of the crew is bringing up there. People like Nikki Haley saying, now's the time we have to get into war with Iran. The military industrial complex has been salivating over the idea of war with Iran for the last 20 years, no less. And General Wesley Clark back in 2003 made this statement saying that they, the U.S. military was planning on actually invading seven countries in five years. A very famous clip, but it's good to keep this in mind as you hear people beating the war drums in really disturbingly flippant ways. I mean, they're just like, we just got to go to war with Iran as if that's just like, we'll just do it and everything will be fine. It's absurd. And, and I mean, it's what Biden has done by essentially you have like a, a playground scuffle. America is the teacher. We run everything, right? I mean, America runs everything. We are the top dog in the world still to this day. China's making moves, but it's America still. And instead of being like the teacher coming in and separating the kids going, all right, we're going to settle this peacefully. I'm not going to let you two fight. First one to throw a punch, I'm going to take out. Like instead of doing that, what Biden has said is like, you can imagine the teacher going, I'm going to give all, I'm going to give a stick and a rock to this kid and let him do whatever the heck he wants. And I'm not going to get you know, involved unless somebody else comes. And then you've got these other countries like Iran and Syria. They're like seeing their younger cousins essentially getting beaten up on the playground and going, all right, we're going to go beat up the teacher if he doesn't stop. I mean, it's all it's it's insane that Biden. And again, I'm not even I'm not even saying it's it's not a not the the same decision I would make. But the fact is that by saying that we're not going to get involved and saying but saying Israel can take the gloves off and do whatever they want. He's just setting up massive conflict uh, in in the very near future. So let's go to this video of uh, Wesley Clark. This is uh, clip number 15 from back in 2003, talking about the fact that even back then, the American military had this long distance plan to invade Iran. Let's watch. Right after 9-11, about 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz, I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who had used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me and he said, sir, you got to come in. You got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, well, you're too busy. He said, no, no. He says, we've made the decision. We're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, we're going to war with Iraq. Why? He said, I don't know. <laughs> He said, I guess they don't know what else to do. 
So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect- connecting Saddam to al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He says, there's nothing new that way. They just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just... He said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. So that's been the plan for at least the last 20 years. We're going to continue covering this uh, into the next hour, again, talking about what the latest developments are, a new aircraft carrier uh, force, the largest aircraft carrier in our um, in our military, moving to the eastern Mediterranean in support of Israel. Uh, Israel essentially saying they are going to invade Gaza, which is going to bring in Hezbollah. I mean, again, the dominoes are lined up. They're ready to be knocked down. If this isn't handled with extreme tact and skillfulness, this is World War III. This is the, the shot heard around the world. So we'll be covering that. I do want to remind you to go to InfoWarsStore.com to support everything that we do here. Uh, I know People are probably upset that Alex isn't in today on this, you know, monumentally, historically important thing. There's a good reason. And like Chase said, you'll find out that reason very shortly. We are continuing to expand. We're continuing to provide coverage in only a way that InfoWars can, that is demanding peace and non-intervention and not taking sides in this strive for genocide. So I hope you can support us by going to InfoWarsStore.com, knowing that you're supporting this powerful voice, not just for free speech and the American way and just getting back to our roots of truth, justice, and uh, all the beautiful things that our uh, founders and forefathers left to us, but also moving into the future in a way that is uh, peaceful for all mankind. InfoWarsStore.com is where you go to support and carry out that mission. Stay with us. Where were you when humanity was fighting for its life? Where were you when the globalists were caught trafficking millions of children for sex slavery worldwide? Where were you when the New World Order was starting World War III with Russia? Well, I know where you are. You're watching and listening to InfoWars.com right now, and I salute you and thank you. And I want to encourage all of you who've been in this fight so long to realize we've reached the critical juncture in the battle now. And a key tool in that fight is the Great Awakening defeating the globalists, and launching the next great renaissance. This is my second book, part two of The Great Reset and the War for the World. It's a longer book, a quite frankly more powerful book. And just like the last book went to number one, it is up to you to send to number one right now. This is a cultural fight against the globalists, and it funds the Info War. Get signed or unsigned copies of The Great Awakening right now at InfoWarsStore.com. I want to thank you all for your support. This is a book everybody needs. Get your copy of The Great Awakening right now. All right, folks, still a lot to come in today's episode of The Alex Jones Show. I'm Harrison Smith, sitting in for Alex Jones with Chase Geyser. We are, of course, talking about Israel and Palestine and the inevitable massive conflict that is boiling right now. And I want to go to a couple videos here just to lay down uh, what we're talking about when we're talking about Gaza or when we're talking about Palestine. And, you know, going back again to the art of war, the number one rule is understand your enemy. 
and I think there's a total misunderstanding of the Palestinian people uh, from a lot of commentators I've seen, probably from a lot of people in Israel as well. And in a way, I mean, whether you like what they do or not, you have to, I don't know if admire is the right word, but you have to respect the fact that these people have carried out a 75-year resistance against a massively overpowering enemy in a way that I can't imagine Americans holding on for that long. And I said this on Twitter, and somebody responded to me, you know, well, that's great for them, but they'll be dead, you know, by tonight. And I think, I think what people don't understand is that they don't die, they become martyrs. They are happy to die if it's in the cause of battle, and it's only going to create more uh, people willing to, to go out and fight. So unless you understand the mindset of the people that you're fighting, the things you're going to do, even if it defeats them militarily, is only going to empower them socially or, or you know, geopolitically. If you don't really at least try to you know, see the world from your enemy's eyes, you're going to make mistakes in fighting them. And so I want to go to a video that just explains what Gaza is and, and why the people of Gaza really don't have a lot of options in terms of you know, just, and we'll show another video later where somebody asks a, a person from Gaza, like, why don't you leave? And he's like, because I can't. Like, you don't understand. This is, in all, for all intents and purposes, an open-air prison. And so you're, you got a bunch of people that are just, they're just going to become radical. Whether you like it or not, that's the situation you're putting them in. So maybe that's a situation we need to undo. So let's go now to clip number 12, I believe. Uh, this is Gaza Explained. Let's watch. This strip is only 25 miles long and about five miles wide. Two million Palestinians live packed into this tiny space, one of the most densely populated places in the world. Half are children. Many live in refugee camps speckled throughout the besieged territory. A stunning 80% of the population relies on foreign aid. Aptly called an open-air prison, there are only two ways to leave the enclosed area. Your Rez crossing into Israeli territory and the Rafah crossing which goes to Egypt. Both are completely controlled by hostile militaries. What Israel calls a border is actually a heavily militarized perimeter fence comprised of barbed wire, surveillance networks, and lethal no-go zones. If you roam too close to the so-called no-go zone, which extends 300 meters out from the fence, Israeli forces have authorized themselves to shoot to kill. Thousands of unarmed Palestinians have been shot for violating this rule in 2018 alone. Mm. The same goes for Gaza's coastline. It is the only place in the world where you can't even flee by boat, as refugees elsewhere often do. Fishermen are restricted to only a few nautical miles from their shore. Strained past that, even by accident, you can be blown out of the water by Israeli warships. A massive seawall in the north and south, currently being extended, boxes them into their small sliver of sea. This violence is compounded by an economic blockade that imposes a chokehold of poverty on Gaza, resulting in one of the highest unemployment rates in the world, according to the World Bank. 70% of the youth are unemployed, with 52% for the general population. So that's just a little rundown of, of uh, what exactly Gaza is. And then, of course, on top of that, you have like gates within Gaza uh, that prevent people from moving one, uh, from one end to the other. 
And if you look at the, this little chart, this is the human cost of the Israeli-Palestine conflict. And you see the death toll on this uh, and, and th- on the Palestinian side. You know, from 2008, you have 3,000 on the Palestinian side, 800 Israeli. I mean, the, the brunt of this conflict has been borne primarily uh, by the Palestinians uh, to a, a very, very heavy degree, as in, you know, tens of thousands versus uh, just a few hundreds. And when you treat people like this... I mean, you have to expect that they're going to want to fight you in brutal ways. It's just inevitable. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is The Alex Jones Show. Second hour has begun. I am your host, Harrison Smith, sitting with my co-host, Chase Geyser, talking, of course, about Israel and Palestine uh, checking some late breaking stories here. I haven't confirmed this, but a unconfirmed report is that the St. Porphyos Orthodox Church in Gaza, oldest church in the world, 1,616 years old, uh, may have been destroyed in an Israeli airstrike. So that would be incredibly troubling if confirmed. But we're going to continue to show you some uh, videos to help explain this situation. Again, trying to treat this with all of the the gravity it deserves, Chase. And I, I got a I got a call from from my wife. She just she keeps me she, she keeps me uh, you Mine know too. from going too far. You know, she just called me right before we went on the show and she's just like, "Hey, look, I know you're going to say everything you want to say. I just just want to say, you know, tread carefully. This is a really big deal." And like that was it. And it's like, trust me, I know, I know. Believe me, I know. You know, people are. Are watching this, they're probably already furious at what we've had to say, despite the fact that I just want to lay out the the strategic overview so we can hopefully try to contribute to a diminishing of the conflict, a cooling down of the war, a not getting America into uh, another world war, uh, which can only serve us badly. Let me ask you this. Yeah. In your mind, what is the just solution? Yeah, that's like almost almost an impossible question. Like, I think at this point, at this point, what I would love would be somebody like Trump. I don't know who it would be, but it, it would have to be if an American president could just come in like the teacher on the schoolyard and just put their put his hands on both the foreheads of the kids, push them apart and go, what do we need to do to solve this? Nobody's throwing one more punch until, you know, and I'm going to I'm going to you know, help you to resolve this conflict and set a path towards peace. And if either one of you tries to break this peace, you're going to be, you know, talking to me. I would love for America to use its power and its force, not to just help exact revenge on the Palestinians or help to fund the terror from the Palestinians. Like what if we could just step in and go, I don't care about your, the argument you're having. Cause I, I really don't, I'm not, I'm not a Muslim or, or a Jewish person. I'm not an Israeli or a Palestinian. So I don't want to see America get involved on either side. I want to see a cessation of this conflict. However, you know, whatever that takes, uh, I, I, I mean, you know, you're asking me literally an impossible question. Yeah, yeah. Minds better than mine have failed to solve the last 50 years. It seems to me, and I could be mistaken, we established, well, at the beginning of the show that we're just two minds speculating, but it seems to me that the Palestinians have a legitimate grief with the Israelis, but what's really going on is the entire Middle Eastern region is using the Palestinians as a way to attack Israel. And what I mean is we're using Ukraine as a way to attack Russia, who is officially an enemy. 
uh, right. the United States. And I think even if we were able to establish some sort of agreement between the Palestinians and the Israelis, that we would still have an incredible amount of hostility in the Middle Eastern region against Israel because Israel is perceived as the United States military presence in the region. Right. And all of those nations hate us because we bond them so many times. We've totally toppled the governments and we issue sh- sanctions on them constantly because of the petrodollar. Right. And so I wonder if the problem actually is between Palestine and Israel so much as it is between the United States and the Middle East. Well, yeah, I mean, it, that, that's why it gets all complicated because everybody's a, a proxy of, of somebody else. Mm. You know, I, I just kept thinking about this article. This one's from all the way back in December of 2021. But Trump says Netanyahu, quote, never wanted peace with the Palestinians. So Trump tried to sort of do this and come in and, and create a, quote, ultimate deal between the Israelis and Palestinians. Uh, and he claimed that, you know, the Palestinians were willing to make that peace, uh, but the Israelis weren't. And Netanyahu never wanted to make peace with the uh, with the Palestinians, which, you know, this would have been avoided if they could have come to some agreement. This attack, uh, you know, against the, the Palestinians or against the Israelis by the, by the uh, Hamas or, or the, the Palestinians would have been much, much less likely to have occurred. So, like, I can't think that this was a, a good idea from Netanyahu. And, and again, this is where it seems to me less of, like, orchestrated, less of, like, oh, we're going to do this as a, as a we're going to allow this to happen, so we have the justification to do what we want to do. It seems like arrogance. It seems like they just did not think that they had to come to the table with the Palestinians. They just thought, you know, why should we? We're, we're the power. They're the, you know, they're the small people. We'll, we'll do whatever we want to them. We don't need to negotiate with them. And then you have something like this. And it just, to me, it just reeks of, uh, of unwarranted uh, arrogance based on a misunderstanding of their enemy. Yeah. Well, and w- with all blood feuds, you almost lose track of where it all started. Fortunately, course, this yeah. is fairly well documented, but there's probably just so much bitterness, I imagine, between both sides that they just want the other one dead. This is like almost like a Cain and Abel thing where mm. somebody's just going to have to go. Yeah, we were, joke- we were joking yesterday about, uh, or I was saying, yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things where I, I often get the question, they're like, people will just be like, so Israel-Palestine, like, what's up with that? And it's like, uh, okay, where do you want to start? And I made the joke like, well, there was this man named Moses one time, <laughs> right? Like, is that how far back you go? And then you pointed out, actually, I think it goes back to Abraham. I don't even think you're going far back enough. When you get to Moses. Uh, so, I mean, it goes back and back and back. And obviously, a major aspect of this is the Al-Aqsa Mosque. So the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the Dome of the Rock, uh, is, you know, uh, operated by Muslims or, you know, uh, Muslims are allowed to pray there. And this is a sort of agreement that Israel has had since time immemorial. To, they are going to be the protectors of these sacred sites. And recently they've allowed, uh, you know, Israeli activists to go in they've stopped muslims from going in i mean they're sort of violating uh, very long-held sacred traditions of allowing a multiplicity of of religions to coexist and this operation that the palestinians carried out they called al-aqsa flood operation and part of it was that they were sort of looking ahead and going they're about to stop us from going to al-aqsa and of course you know a lot of jewish traditions think that where al-aqsa is was the site of Solomon's temple, and they want to build a third temple because that's a prerequisite for, you know, bringing on the, the Messiah. So really a lot of this is centered around Al-Aqsa Mosque and some, um, you know, provocations there. And again, I'm not saying that like, oh, well, they stormed the mosque, so therefore their children should be killed and their women should be kidnapped and raped. Like, 
and, and that and that's what's a, a frustrating about this conversation is because even in America, even places far removed, it's like even suggesting that hey, let's all calm down is treated from both sides like a call to genocide them, while they are simultaneously calling to genocide the other side, and it's like. I don't want anything to do with it. This is all this is all horrible. Well, that's <laughs> the nice horrible. thing about being a populist. I'm an America first populist, and it's not my call. I don't right. have to pick a side. Yeah, I shouldn't be involved at all. Actually, it's none of my business. And frankly, most of the things that we've done in terms of foreign policy since World War II have only catalyzed hatred. There's a famous Bill Burr bit about it where he says a butt kicking doesn't just fall out of the sky. Right. It. it pe- People just so easily accepted that we were hated in the Middle East because of our freedom. But it's because of our terrible foreign policy over the last 50 years. We've catalyzed and antagonized these people economically, socially, geographically, in terms of their energy. Everything, every weakness we've exploited. And I think the world would be a better place if we just stopped screwing with other people's business. Yeah, and again, this is, this is the good example where we are both vociferous. We are both very outspoken critics of american foreign policy we aren't anti-american we don't hate america or americans that's our that's our interest that's what we love so you know when we are criticizing the israeli government the israeli military doing things has nothing to do with how we feel about the the israelis on the ground same thing with the palestinians and and hamas you have to be able to uh determine uh you have to be able to distinguish the power structures making moves that are horrific and the people on the ground but you know it's it's shocking seeing all of these anti-war apparently anti-war conservatives i mean literally calling for genocide uh in places like uh like gaza it's just there's a disconnect here that is i i can only ascribe it to just like emotional response to the images that we're seeing that are horrible like obviously they're horrible yeah those images are terrible the images that i see you know, every couple of weeks or a couple of months of, of Palestinian kids dying in bombings uh, when Israel bombs them. Those are also horrible. You don't make decisions based on your immediate, you know, emotional reaction right. to these things. You do take them into account as you try to, path a, uh, try to chart a path towards peace, which is what we should all uh, be in favor of. And uh, we have a clip from Ron Paul that we'll go to. We have a couple more clips that we want to go to, and then we'll welcome Michael Yawn. We have a big interview with uh, Alex Jones reported yesterday that we want to go to later. If you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it, you can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from Wall of fire.com or call 800-274-7364 fireplace heat without fireplace smoke wall of fire.com have you ever thought about turning your glock xd family or 1911 handgun into a semi-automatic carbine it only takes about 30 seconds the mech tech carbine upper is classified as an accessory and can be delivered right to your doorstep with no ffl or background check required it's the world's most versatile pistol accessory. Build your custom upper today. Simply go to handgunconversion.com. That's handgunconversion.com. Your voice counts. When you share information, be it over the internet or in person, it changes the world. The globalists know their agenda is unpopular. They know you're angry. And now to get around big tech, it's more important than ever that we use every tool we've got. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you sign up for our free news and show alerts, 
you can then take those alerts, those articles, and those live feeds, both the regular shows, the special reports, and share them with everyone you know. Take action now by texting the word NEWS, N-E-W-S, to 833-470-0438. That's 833-470-0438 for InfoWars emergency news alerts. Or text the word SHOW to 833-470-0438 and receive live show notifications. Take action now, create the chain reaction, and tell others to share those texts. Get news alerts at 833-470-0438. You're listening to The Alex Jones Show. Welcome back to The Alex Jones Show. I am Chase Geyser. Filling in with Harrison Smith for the great Alex Jones, covering everything Israel and Palestine. Trump posted this morning, shortly before we got on the air, the same people that raided Israel are pouring into our once beautiful USA. Through our totally open southern border at record numbers. Are they planning an attack within our country? Crooked Joe Biden and his boss, Barack Hussein Obama, did this to us. Typical Donald Trump charm right there. But I think he's right. And I think this actually ties in a little bit to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. Because we have this situation in which we are constantly worshiping diversity as like this idol. It's what makes us strong. And really what's made America strong in the past has not been what's different about us so much as where we're the same. Yeah. So whether you're from Germany or Ireland or Africa or wherever you come from all over the world to immigrate to the United States, it worked when there was assimilation. They call it a melting pot because it blends into one thing and it's all the same. But this diversity thing is like this separation, this apartheid of cultures where everyone has to respect everyone else's. You have to integrate them, but you can't mix them at all because that's cultural appropriation. And so we have this situation which we're taking all these people into our country and we're forcing through diversity, equity, and inclusion that they work together, that they're in close proximity, but we're simultaneously setting up an environment that seems intentionally designed to catalyze as much hate as possible. So make them enemies and then put them as close to each other as possible. So if there ever was an awakening of a sleeper cell base, then there would be just terror on the streets, just like similar to the George Floyd protests that we saw in the looting. So yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that? Uh, no, there have already been clashes on in New York, I think in yeah. Washington, D.C. I mean, there are these massive protests where you've got Israelis on one side and Palestinians on the other on American soil fighting each other over something that's happening uh, 3,000 miles away. No, we don't. Yeah, this, this is a lesson in uh, the reality of, of so-called diversity. And again, what, what I am really concerned about is the domino effect that this could have if this isn't treated with the deftness that it that is required to avoid this spiraling into uh, a wider conflict and the the piece that the people in power recognize but you don't see it reflected a lot in media is hezbollah which is the lebanese resistance movement essentially is what they call themselves and you see sort of Mention after mention from people in power, uh, Anthony Blinken, you know, came out with a statement saying, oh, you better not open a second front as well. Don't you get involved now? You know, you're not allowed to get involved, which they could. And they're the ones sort of limiting 
Israel going into Gaza right now, but again, and this is sort of the takeaway I, I get from this, this is an inflection point of the Middle East where if Israel does not go into Gaza, that represents a power dynamic shift away from Israel towards the Arab states around them. In other words, Israel can no longer act with total impunity, being the big dog, sort of allowed to do uh, whatever they want. They are now being limited if they allow this to happen. If they allow themselves to be limited, then that's it. I mean, they're limited from then on. They are being dictated to what they can do, what they can get away with by their enemies outside their borders. They cannot stomach that. But if they enter Gaza and defy those limitations, then they're opening themselves up to massive attack from Hezbollah. And you saw what Hamas was able uh, to achieve with a, a much smaller, much less capable force than exists in Hezbollah. And uh, it's it's not going to be good. Then Iran gets involved. And again, I, I want to remind people that we have American bases in the Middle East right now that are sitting ducks. And if we get involved and we... You know, and, and Russia has said that if we get involved against, Hez, you know, if America gets involved against Hezbollah, they're giving the green light to Syria and Iran to attack American bases in the Middle East. So the question Americans have to ask ourselves is, is it worth spending the lives of American servicemen to basically maintain the status quo? And how long can that go on? And is the status quo even something worth defending? I mean, I, I personally don't want to spend a single life to guarantee that Gaza remain a, a, a two million person uh, open air prison. I, I really think you've got to you got to give the the Palestinians rights. I mean, they have no rights at this point. They have no human rights at this point. They don't even have food and water. In fact, maybe we should go to to that clip here. Uh, the headline is that the uh, defense secretary, the defense minister of Israel, has ordered a total blockade of. Gaza, and they are limiting, and well, I'll just go to the video, you'll, you'll hear it here. Clip number nine, this is the Israeli defense minister this morning. He says, we are imposing a complete siege on Gaza. There will be no electricity, no food, no water, no fuel. Everything will be closed. We are fighting against human animals, and we are acting accordingly. I mean, I just, you know, God bless the Israeli people, but I'm not on that dude's side. I'm not on that. I'm not in favor of what that guy is just not just suggesting, but implementing now a total blockade, cutting off food, water and electricity from two million people. And they expect it to go well. They expect the people just to die like what? Right. And I appreciate your perspective. You see a people provoked. Yeah. But then I look at how they responded and it was like such an overcompensation. Of course. And I think that it's something that we just tend to do as people psychologically, whether as individuals or as societies altogether, is whenever there's a problem, we tend to overcompensate for it. It's like getting in the shower. When the water's too cold, you're like, oh, I'm freezing. And you switch it, and then all of a sudden you're burning, and you have to kind of go back and forth until you find that perfect temperature. And as, as much as I understand the appreciation and, and appreciate the hell that the Palestinians have been through. It, what does a, a German dancer have to do with it? Right. That makes me sick. And it makes me sick to see children bombed. Don't get me wrong, but when you're going over intentionally grabbing civilians and then pulling them back and then celebrating and showing your kids that you're raping and murdering these people in front of your little kids. I mean, you and I have kids similar age. I can't imagine doing something like that in front of my kids, man. There's a certain level of just lost conscience at this point. The hatred is just 
totally covered. Yeah, no, it is it is one of those things where it's like it's like I want to be on the Palestinian side, but then you see him do that, and it's just like you know the reason I'm I typically. You know, know, I like to support the underdog, basically, and you see all these all these images of, um, you know, Israelis, you know, whether it's the colonies, the the settler camps or the settler, you know, um, buildings that they they clear people out of. It's like, all right, I don't like that because I don't like the innocent people getting taken advantage of. I don't like the innocent people getting hurt. So then when the Palestinians go and hurt innocent people, it's like, well, this is what I'm against. So why are you doing it now? I'm against you doing that. I mean, it's it is it's an impossible situation. And. Again, maybe maybe the the silver lining of this is like, we can go. Hey, let's never let this happen again. And what does that take? Maybe it means lessening some of the restrictions on Gaza. Maybe doubling down on this is not the right response because maybe that's just going to radicalize and create more extremists in Gaza. Like what? It, it's it's inevitable. Basically, you've got these two million people, people out there. You know, I mean, they're cutting off their electricity. You're cutting off their food. What do they think is going to happen? They can't. They they don't have anywhere to go. They can't just flee. They're supposed to die. They're going to fight back. They're obviously going to fight back. That's the human reaction. You can't treat these people like animals. They're not animals. They're, they're going to act like humans. They're going to be humans. They're going to have the human response, which is to fight back and do the things to your enemies that they've done to you, even if it's brutal and horrific and to, to children and women. That's what they're going to do. So how, no matter how you feel about it, that's the reality. You have to treat this as it is and not in some fantasy world where you can do whatever you want and they have to die. So many people say to me, Alex, please stop being so negative. Well, for me, admitting I've gotten a rotten tooth and going in a root canal is not negative. It hurts. It stinks. It's got pus coming out of it. I go to the doctor, they fix it. That's not negative. I'm not living in denial. And so think of globalism as being hidden as an infection that we didn't feel yet, but now it's come to the surface. That's actually a positive thing. And so, yeah, Trump did overall a great job. They stole the election. We can't get down about that. We have forced them out in the open. So now they're trying to suppress us because they know they've been exposed. They're scared. That's why instead of saying, oh, we're a bunch of losers, look what happened. No, we're a bunch of winners. They're trying to suppress us. Let our light of truth shine and tell everybody what's happening. Your own website, your own show, my show, other articles, other videos. Just keep sharing however you can and realize we're in an information war. We're going to win this together. And the fight starts at InfoWars.com. You're listening to The Alex Jones Show. On March 20th, 2003, the United States invaded Iraq. Exactly one year before the invasion, Alex Jones predicted it. So now everybody's going, wow, it really was the Iraqis. That's just because they're getting ready to invade Iraq. What a beautiful setup. While other networks lie to you about what's happening now, InfoWars tells you the truth about what's happening next. Visit InfoWars.com forward slash show and share the link today. Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. I am Chase Geyser filling in with Harrison Smith for the great Alex Jones, who seems to always be right. Before we get started diving into the news and with our special guest this segment, let's talk a little bit about Vitamin Mineral Fusion, which is back at 25% off. I highly recommend any of the products in our store. I was not a supplement person at all before I started working here, but 
asked around and was surprised to find out that it actually is true that many, if not all of the crew, takes at least one or two of the products. And I started using BrainForce Plus. I started using TurboForce Plus. And they really do work. I know that Vitamin Mineral Fusion is designed to sort of lay a foundation for our vitamin mineral health, which can actually help the other products in the store perform even better for you. So it is 25% off. I think the trifecta pack is also still on sale at 40% off. So it'd be a great time to get those products and pair them with this vitamin mineral fusion at InfoWarsStore.com. What's on your mind, Harrison? Well, we're going we're gonna, to uh, welcome Michael Yawn to the program now. He is a journalist. I don't know if we. I don't know if calling you a war correspondent is the right answer, but you've been to a lot of conflict zones. You've been doing incredible work at the southern border, but you have a lot of insight into the situation in the Middle East. So I'm very happy uh, to welcome to the show now, Mr. Michael Yon. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks for having me on. I'm in Panama right now, back in the Darien Gap. I just left the Darien Gap this morning. This is Highway One, the Pan American Highway. It's being. It's going to be completed to Colombia at some point. They're building a bridge now down near Yavitsa, Panama. I've been down in Darien Gap where I've spent, I don't know, maybe six months since Biden was installed because this lane, this one lane you see right here is a two-lane highway. Uh, this one lane right beside me is the lane that goes to the United States. And this is the lane where three to 5,000 aliens per day head up in buses. They'll probably pass this while I'm on with you. And, uh, but now the presence of Costa Rica and Panama were just together on the 6th of October, so just a few days ago. They were down in Las Blancas camp where I was just at, actually. And they announced that they're going to go from about 60 buses per day, so from about five dozen buses per day. And those buses fit about roughly 50 people per bus, depending on how many children and that sort of thing. They're going to go from 60 to five dozen to about 200 per day so, uh, on the average day, right? They're building two camps out in the Darien Gap right now. Again, I've been out here a lot. I'm very familiar with the Darien Gap, the crossing between Colombia and Panama. This is the pathway for the world to get to the United States. That's why I spend so much time here. This is vital terrain. Uh, this is the terrain from which if you can get your feet anywhere in South America, then you just work yourself to Colombia and then go through the Darien Gap and then you get in a bus. Now, the presidents of uh, Panama and Costa Rica made a decision uh, very uh, recently, but they announced it on the 6th of October, that they're going to start allowing these buses that come up from Darien Gap that'll be going right by me probably while we're talking, up to uh, Costa Rica. They used to stop there even two days ago. They would stop at the Costa Rican border. The aliens would be stuck there for a while. Hey, Michael, uh, Michael, they, they, I, I'm sorry, I got I to gotta jump in. We're, we're having a lot of trouble uh, hearing you. It's, it's, the audio is not great, so I, we can reconnect with you. Uh, our, our producers are working behind the scenes to get a, a better connection because I just want people to uh, be able to hear what you're saying. It's important information, and if, uh, if we can't get it clearly, uh, then you know, we, we need to fix that. So we're going to reconnect uh, with Michael Yon here in just a second. We do have some other videos uh, to go to in the meantime. Uh, well, and some other, some other, you know, stories to cover. The latest that we're hearing is that it may very well be tonight that the ground operation in Gaza kicks off. Again, this is this would be the start of the domino effect if they enter Gaza. Hezbollah has said that they will enter into uh, a war stance with Israel from the north, opening up two fronts in an already overstretched uh, Israel. Israel's in a very, very bad situation right now. The U.S. has sent a carrier strike group there for Israeli support. We've promised 
basically unconditional support for Israel in terms of military supplies, but have essentially said that we're not going to get actively involved. However, you've got people like Lindsey Graham saying that if Hezbollah attacks, then we'll have to uh, get into this, which then brings Iran and Syria in. Then it's World War III. As we've been explaining on InfoWars for the last several years, this is these are the fault lines being drawn. It's Russia, China, Iran, Syria, uh, like that, that whole block versus Israel, America, the puppet regime in Ukraine and NATO. And it's scary how there is no like when you really play it out in your mind, there's no downside to war for the globalists. There's no downside to war for the new world order. It gives them everything they want faster and more conveniently than they would get it otherwise. This is uh, breaking Mario Nafal on Twitter who's keeping uh, pretty rapid, you know, up to date on uh, on this conflict. He says Israeli Home Front Command asks Israelis to prepare for three day stay in safe rooms. In light of the development of the fighting in various sectors, you must prepare equipment that will allow you and your family to stay safe in rooms for up to 72 hours. Pretty horrifying message to get from your government. And, of course, We're Israel— We're going to bomb you, so stay inside. <laughs> I get—I mean, they're telling the Israelis to stay inside, right? So, man, it's, uh, it is rapidly spiraling out of control. You have— Interesting international aspects to this. The Arab League chief has gone to Moscow to talk uh, with the Russian foreign minister about what's going on in Israel. You have uh, some countries suggesting that, uh, you know, we de-escalate here. Egypt warns of consequences of escalation in Israel. Turkey's uh, Erdogan calls for restraint as well. So uh, it seems like a lot of countries around the world are going, hey, this is a you know, tinderbox you're, you're playing with here. Let's not burn the earth down uh, in this, in a response to a horrific, but at this point over terrorist attack uh, against the, the people of Israel. Absolutely. I did find it very interesting that Israel expected a stronger condemnation of Hamas from China. The Beijing embassy official says here in this Reuters article, sort of crickets from China on this is pretty interesting and sort of supports the theory that China's pushing Iran, which is pushing Palestine to sort of do this in the hopes of reducing any sort of military capabilities in Israel or in the region as a whole through Israel. But again, man, I, I don't want to take either side. I'm an American Mm. and I know that we have this petrodollar and we have this currency and there's, there's all sorts of, complicated dynamics happening in the region. But it just goes to show if we would have had honest money from the beginning, if we would have stayed on a gold standard, not put in fractional reserve banking, not gotten so involved in all of these conflicts in regions, then we wouldn't be in this position. If the theory is true that this is about protecting the sanctity of the petrodollar, which it may very well not be, but if that is true then this is just another example of unintentional blowback or consequences of doing shady stuff that doesn't really add up and kicking the can down the road and expanding debt continuously. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that it's like, obviously, the, the people on the ground, like the people in Israel who, you know, are hiding in safe rooms right now, they don't really care about the, the petrodollar, right? That's not there. That's not why they're calling for certain things. 
Uh, but the people who are running the world and really making the decisions, that is likely on the forefront of their mind. So it looks like we've reconnected uh, with Michael Yon. Uh, Michael, we, we had some trouble hearing you there. You're there in the Darien Gap. Uh, Trump re, uh, put out a tweet saying that he was worried that essentially there are going to be sleeper cells of, of Hamas and that's and or really anybody inside America ready to launch similar attacks we saw in Israel. I mean, that very a very similar thing could be orchestrated here in America with the influx of foreigners totally unvetted. We don't know where they're from. We don't know who they are, but we are giving them plane tickets farther into the country. How does the immigration crisis play into uh, what we're seeing unfold in the Middle East right now? Right. Actually, I just left Darien Gap a few uh, hours ago, and now I'm up on Highway 1. This is the highway that leaves Darien Gap and goes up through Costa Rica and Nicaragua and eventually uh, to the United States. Now, how does this play in? I see people from Gaza coming through all the time. I talk with them out in the jungle. I mean, I'll ask you know, people where they're from. I meet Afghans all the time every single day. I meet tons of Chinese every single day, mostly Venezuelans coming in. But now we've got three to 5,000 people coming in per day. Tons of Arabs. I don't even know how many. You can't, can't keep track. It's, it's just the human waves coming in, and it's increasing. Right now, as we speak, they're making two new camps out in the jungle. We were just out there yesterday, got more drone footage. One of the camps is about 60 to 80 acres now. They're still cutting it down. This is deep in the jungle, and uh, and this will be big enough for at least 15,000 new aliens per day to top the current capacity that they already have, which is three to 5,000. So that's another... 15,000 per day. And then there's another camp that they're building right now as well. So don't be surprised. I'm being very conservative that to say that by uh, January or so, expect 10,000 per day coming just out of the Darien Gap. That doesn't include other feeders coming through, like many people fly to El Salvador first or Honduras or, or uh, Mexico City or, or Cancun, and, or they come through the Canadian border. Others are coming up on Jupiter Beach in Florida and, you know, and other places in Florida. And many are coming in with the CBP-1 app. In other words, they're flying in directly from places like Guatemala. They're flying in from Colombia. They're flying in all over the United States. So we're, we're being flooded with millions of people. Millions. I'm talking, I don't even know how many. Nobody knows. Nobody actually knows at this point. The Border Patrol, I talked with, are saying that nobody knows. And most of the Border Patrol are not even on the border right now. They're in the in-processing facilities. They're in the in-processing facility, basically uh, rubber stamping everybody to come in. So how many Hamas are coming in? I don't know, but we see protests around the United States now by Hamas. Australia as well. This is horrible. There's- it's almost most frustrating to me about the American government as a whole. We are choosing these problems. We are deciding to have these problems exist. They are all imminently solvable. We are so powerful. We are so capable as a country. It is our leadership and our government that is willfully subjecting us to invasion restriction collapse uh, uh, as a whole it's infuriating and it's sort of it just sort of emphasizes how infuriating that is when you see how capable we are at intervening for the sake of another country like israel or ukraine how many mistakes can joe biden make before we realize that it's not just because he's a blithering idiot but it's actually straight up treason like Look at all the things that have happened since the Biden administration, not even counting the things that happened while he was the vice president with Hunter Biden and the laptop. We've had Ukraine invaded. We've had billions upon billions of our own dollars go straight to that war for no obvious or apparent reason. We have Israel, which is supposed to be our ally as a nation, being attacked. And we're surprised about it. Our intelligence community didn't catch it. 
Their intelligence community allegedly didn't catch it. We've got China moving. We've got Iran pushing. We've, we've the got collapse of Afghanistan. The collapse of Afghanistan, which was atrocious. And then we've got Taiwan sur- being surrounded by China. Literally everything that could go wrong is going wrong. Inflation's through the roof. And our border is wide open for no apparent reason either. The only people that they're exporting are, or deporting rather, are the Venezuelans who are the right wing or right leaning ones and probably the only ones that are actually eligible for asylum. Right. So well, them, them and uh, German families that homeschool their children, they're also getting deported. Uh, see, so I, honestly, I think this is all on purpose. I wonder if he just took a bribe from China to sell us out to let the whole country fall apart at this point. You know, at a certain point, uh, it does not matter whether it is malice or stupidity uh, because we're paying the price uh, for it. Uh, regardless again very very dangerous situation we find ourselves in uh, we are monitoring some of the the latest breaking news they have called in 300,000 reservists to Israel to fight this you've got the Israeli government telling their own people get underground for 3 days while we take care of this uh, you've got you've got a, a bizarre sort of occurrence where you have some Israeli citizens in places like America going back to Israel to fight while meanwhile you have you know, video after video of mass numbers of people fleeing to the airport in Israel trying to get out of the country before this uh, conflict happens. Nine Americans have been killed in this uh, event, and, you know, it only promises to accelerate moving forward. Again, we can get into some of the, you know, international aspects of this uh, as we move forward. I do understand we we are back with uh, Michael Yon, third time's a charm. We'll have the connection uh, be decent this time. Uh, Michael, thank you for calling in. I'm sorry you, you keep uh, getting cut off. I guess that's the uh, price you have to pay for being on the ground and in some of these conflict zones. Not the best internet connection, uh, but uh, hopefully we can uh, establish a better connection now. Thank you again for uh, working with us, Michael. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've got a Starlink here, but it's not working, so we're on the phone. And uh, so in any case, yeah, you know, the so-called border crisis that Europe is having is similar to the border crisis in Israel and Ukraine. That's what kind of border crisis this is. This is straight-up war, right? This is not a border crisis. That's a mischaracterization. Uh, these are. This is a war. We're being invaded. We're being invaded by millions per year into the United States. Uh, and, and, and right now, again, I see uh, people from uh, Gaza coming through Daring Gap constantly, right? They're all over the United States now, right? And, and they have been for years. And, you know, we see the reports, by the way, coming from Israel. And by the way, as I was just leaving the Darien Gap this morning, a friend told me that uh, a couple of weeks ago, I haven't been able to check this out because I've been in the Darien Gap today, uh, that, um, that, you know, we issued uh, visa-free travel for Israelis a couple of weeks ago. So maybe needs to fact-check that. If that's true, it's a good, reliable source, but it needs to be checked. I've been, again, I just left the gap. Uh, that would be quite interesting timing. Uh, in any case, uh, the um, uh, visa free travel to the United States, because I, I, I said, you know, with this war in Israel, we're going to start seeing um, uh, Israelis come through the Darien Gap. And he said, no, they just, uh, you know, offered visa free travel a couple of weeks ago. Right. So in any case, yeah, so right now, yeah, so please check that out. Uh, it's a reliable source. But again, I just left the jungle. Uh, but at the same time, um, the people who are coming in are from all over the world, Afghanistan, tons of Chinese, of course. Three to 5,000 a day. That number is clearly going to go up to at least 10,000. Right now is rainy season, by the way. So the jungle is very muddy right now. It's very difficult to get through. But by January, it should be dry. And that's when 
even though this is rainy season, and normally in rainy season the numbers decrease, the numbers have been increasing month after month. In August, the Panamanian government told me 82,000 came through the Darien Gap in August, right? That was August of 2023. In September, I don't have the numbers yet, but I think those numbers are going to be close to 100,000 based on what I'm seeing down here. And I think the numbers now in October will be some number far greater than 100,000. And by January, I would be surprised if it's less than uh, 300,000 per month. So I've, I've, you know, sort of uh, prognosticated for years that when we see World War III, it's going to be less of states versus states and more of what looks like a worldwide civil war where you're going to have populations within countries fighting the leadership of that country. You're going to have migrants fighting the natives of those countries. I mean, it, it really seems like when World War III breaks out, which almost seems like an inevitability at this point, it's not going to be like I just said, you know, big blocks of states fighting against one another. That'll be an aspect of it. But you'll also have this very scary, you know, reality of having massive foreign populations within Western countries suddenly acting as uh, as enemy reserves, you know, behind enemy lines. That is a very distinct possibility, is it not? Well, it's exactly what's happening. That's not even a possibility. That's what they say they're doing, right? right? I mean, this is straight up right in everybody's face. They're not hiding it at all. And, uh, you know, Alice has been talking about this for years. Well, here it comes, and it's here. And you see right now, uh, you know, old-school war is usually population against population, right? It's this tribe against that. It's Hutus versus Tutsis. It's, you know, it's, it's, Chinese, it's, man, it's uh, Han Chinese against Uyghurs. You know, it's that sort of thing. And that's, of course, what's happening in Israel right now. You see these reports, by the way, of American citizens uh, being killed in Israel. Well, they might be being killed by other American citizens because many American citizens are Hamas. Many American citizens are Israeli Jews or Israeli Arabs, Israeli Muslims. You know what I mean? It's not like uh, this is for those who have been to Israel, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are a lot of Hamas who are American citizens. It literally could be Americans killing Americans over there. I have no idea. But the bottom line is that's a people versus people war. And... There are obviously uh, nation states involved, such as Iran, of course, and many others, and uh, in the United States as well. And so, you know, Israel, obviously, serious times ahead, and I expect more diaspora to come to the United States. Uh, you know, it's just, a, it's just a matter of, you know, getting on the airplanes and getting to the United States. Let me ask you this, Michael, since you are sort of a, a war correspondent, at least you have experience in these, you know, conflict areas, what... Uh, are we potentially missing from the reporting that we're seeing? Like if you're on the ground reporting on something and then, you know, that night you go and check the headlines, you go, how is nobody mentioning this? Like what what do uh, we miss as people who are relying on the on the mainstream media for a lot of cases or at least big media companies? We're relying on them to see what's happening for the people on the ground. What do you think they're seeing that we're not seeing, even if it's speculative or, or just vague? Like what? What do the American people miss by not actually having eyes on the ground there in Gaza reporting in real time? Uh, what, is, what is just an example of something that, that we may be blind to and not even know that we're blind to? Well, I'm not in Israel at the moment. I'm down right. in Panama, and I left the Darien Gap just hours ago, right? So I'm, this, is a big, this is part of that war. This is not, you know, there's all these separate wars that are all connected, though. Right. And this is the invasion that's going on through here. There's a specific reason why I'm here, obviously, because that, that traffic you hear behind me is Highway 1, going straight to the United States. This is the invasion force. Uh, and so now look what's happened to Israel, right? 
And by the way, everybody acting surprised about what's happening in Israel, how can you be surprised? It's almost embarrassing to say you're surprised. Hamas has been saying they're going to do this for years. They've been building tunnels for years. They've been buying rockets. The United States is giving them billions of dollars, and they've clearly stated their intent. And, and now, you know, they're suddenly doing it. Surprise. How can anybody be surprised by this? And it was just the enemy will generally, an enemy like that anyway, like CCP or Hamas or all these various groups, they will tend to tell you what they're going to do. Hitler wrote Mein Kampf. Mao said exactly what he was going to do. Pol Pot said what he was going to do. You know, they say what they're going to do, and then they execute. And you see the World Economic Forum now is saying that they're going to cause the migration of 1.2 billion people. It is unfolding. That's why I'm here beside Highway 1 in Panama, because this is a major invasion route to the United States. And if the United States is gone, Israel's just dead, period. That's yeah. why I'm focused on this. If, if, if we die, Israel's dead anyway. Man, right? uh, talk, this is the main battlefield. I am on the front. I am on the main front. Is this right here? Exactly. The death is the main invasion front. Now, talk, talk about a multi-front war. I mean, it's like every street in every city is going to be a, a front of World War III once it really kicks off, and I think you're exactly right. Thank you so much for uh, Michael Yan reporting live from the Darien Gap there down in Panama. Uh, if the crew could bring up that last statement, this is sort of a horrifying uh, development. A spokesperson for Hamas says he regrets to announce that from now on they will start ex executing civilian hostages they took from Israel on live TV for every IDF airstrike that hit civilians in Gaza. A horrifying and brutal development. More on the other side. Stay with us. Why do you think the globalists are desperately trying to censor everybody? Why are they attacking myself and Donald Trump and Elon Musk and everybody else? Because they can't get through this giant megalomaniacal power grab if we're here exposing them. But we're not just exposing their operation. In my new book, we give you the solutions to build a new, better world, an alternative to Klaus Schwab's You Will Eat the Bugs. This is the Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalist and launch the second great renaissance. It's a companion to my last book that was a number one worldwide bestseller. And this book is even thicker and even more powerful. Get your copy of The Great Awakening today at InfoWarsStore.com. Either signed as a fundraiser, and I thank you for the support, or unsigned. But whatever you do, take action now. We're fighting for you, but we can't keep on if you don't support us. So please, get the historic book now. Go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening at InfoWarsStore.